That recliner almost chopped my mate's finger off. This is what our killer looks like. Tired. Everyone has been affected in one way or another by this terrible tomato onslaught. There was a, a standing lamp in this room. What happened to it? Attack of the Killer Objects! David, what do you think we're going to do with them? Call the police! And tell them what? That a killer piñata murdered a bunch of kids? Good luck with that. Okay. Hi. Welcome to Attack of the Killer Objects. I'm your host, Anastasia, as per usual. And my guest with me today is Stephen Tramontana. Is that how I pronounce it? Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> and he is and he is the director and co-writer of Killer Pinata and bride yeah. of Killer Pinata. Yeah, yeah, we did two of them somehow. It's, uh, it's amazing. I love it. I just like to say off the top, enjoyed them both immensely. They're silly but self-aware and there's like interesting background pieces that I want to talk about too. <laughs> and I just, I really like a lot of the choices that you've made in these. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. I think that, um, you know, they, they're absurdist, you know, movies by, by nature. You know, that, that was always our view is that if you, <laughs> you know, if you have a movie about a, a pinata that's killing people, there, there's only one really way to do that. And that's to lean into just how insane all that is. And, and uh, so, yeah, I'm glad it, I'm glad it connected. Yeah, exactly. Although I will say, having watched an enormous amount of killer object movies at this point, that sometimes the director tries to take themselves too seriously when they do one of these. <laughs> <laughs> and you just kind of scratch your head at that choice, but you still go along for the ride, <laughs> whether they're there for yeah. it or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and sometimes the, the earnestness uh, you know, it, sometimes it can work. I think that, um, you know, my, I mean, I know you and I have chatted about this a little bit, but some of my favorite, you know, killer object movies are those early Charlie band movies, the dolls and puppet master and demonic toys and stuff that, that, that tend to play pretty straight. Um, but I also think there's just the, the real, you know, the real opportunity with these movies is, is what I think we've seen lately, which is like rubber and carousel and, um, you know, Thanksgiving and stuff like that. You know, it's, it, I feel like those those movies really do play pretty well. They have. Um, I don't know. Have you seen Slacks? Mm. A friend just showed me that movie uh, a, a couple of months ago, and I had so much fun with it. I loved Slacks. It worked for me. Yeah, me too. It's. I'm planning on covering it soon. We haven't touched on it yet, but um, it's in the works. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I... Um, when I watched Slacks, I know we'll probably get into this uh, in our discussion of Killer Pinata here, but I noticed that, that um, and I'm, you know, forgive me, uh, filmmakers of Slacks, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we, we kind of came to the same, so, you know, there was a little bit of a flashback sequence of how the Slacks came to be at a great injustice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I think maybe we're we're all just on this vibe. We're, what we're actually doing is making low key, you know, social justice films via inanimate object movies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's dig into it. Yeah. How 
how did this come to be? Tell me the origin of the film first. Yeah, so we, so the, the folks that make movies uh, with me, we have a little shingle called Angry Mule Films. Um, and we also started a, a different business together, a, a non-film business. And at the time, um, we, we knew that we were working together and we didn't want to like fight over music or, or whatever, what we were working. So um, we decided to play movies on Amazon, right? Like just bad B movies. That's what they had to be. They had to be bad, like two star B movies. They could just Love play, it. we could watch it, you know, the whole thing. So it's mystery science theater kind of thing. Yeah. And um, we watched enough of them and, you know, we kind of thought, well, you know, what if we tried to make one, right? And, and maybe treat it like a 24 hour film challenge where we say like, okay, can you make a feature film for like $2,000 shot in a week, you know, da, da, da. And then someone said, well, what if we made a movie about a pinata that gets revenge on humanity? And we, you know, it just was such a, like a cool idea that we went, yeah. And it was, it was silly enough that if the, you know, obviously we're working with a very tiny budget on a very quick time that if it did not work, you would kind of laugh with it, you know, wouldn't take you away from the film. Um, so yes, we started a Kickstarter. Uh, we got funded very quickly. We cast the movie very quickly and we shot for a week in our producer's apartment at the time. And uh, okay. yeah, we did it. We shot shot the movie in seven days <laughs> and, uh, and and off we went. Nice, nice. So that's, okay. okay, so the whole movie takes place in your producer's apartment, pretty much. Yeah, so, and we knew that we had to do basically a single location because there was just so much to film. Um, we, we didn't really have, uh, you know, a lot of leisure for company moves and stuff like that. So, sure. I mean, we were able to get out. Obviously, we have the, the pinata shop. We have some scenes in the park and local liquor stores and stuff. We shot the film um, in Logan Square uh, neighborhood in Chicago. And Logan Square was incredibly warm and nice. Everybody really kind of gave us access to things. Local breweries and stuff donated, you know, drinks and food. I mean, it was it was a really wonderful experience. Um, but yeah, so we, we had to, we had to move quick. Okay. That's awesome. One of the things that I wanted to mention is when you're watching the film, it's almost distracting some of the artwork on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, the two paintings I'm referring to. <laughs> the, the ones with the boobs? The yes. Boobs those? The brightly colored <laughs> boob paintings, which I think they're great. I low-key want one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. So, um, because our budget was so tiny, I mean, literally, we shot the movie for twenty five hundred bucks, um, and that was all in. And and we didn't do any set dressing. So, even though that was supposed to be the the family's, you know, the Goodman family's kind of townhouse in Chicago, uh, that was uh, Jen and her wife Brooks' actual artwork. Um, they had all this really cool artwork. And, you know, we had a discussion, I think, fairly early, like, you know, do we try to dress the set and make it look like a classic family home? And our view of it was like, listen, you know, there, there's going to be no amount of work we can do to get over a, a certain part of this budget. So we might as well kind of lean into like the high school, uh, like the movie you would make in, in high school with your friends. Right. So like, sure. no, take, taking no time for like big lighting changes you know, let's not set dress it too much. Like, let's let's just almost like documentary shoot it. Let's like, let's just go. So, um, and we've had a lot of commentary on those boob paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I love them. I, that's awesome that they were some of their own like stuff. Okay, yeah. so let's get into the, let's, uh, let's move on into the plot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's set the scene. Yeah. So we okay. start. We start in Chicago. We open on a, on a on a fine Chicago morning in November. Different yes. shot. And a and a woman who owns a, a pinata shop enters the shop, realizes something is amiss fairly quickly, and uh, the first thing that happens is she defensively draws a hook hand out. Her left hand is a hook hand. Um, like a I weird, died you know. when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, immediately, immediately telling the audience, this is the kind of film you're in for. And uh, she finds and she looks among all the pinatas. She's surrounded by pinatas. She sees the employee that should have closed the store. Uh, the employee is lying dead on the ground. And uh, with her bloodstained hand, she tried to write on the ground pinata. 
And uh, that's when we realized that uh, one of the pinatas in the store is sentient and deadly. <laughs> yes, this is how it all begins. And let's, okay, so she disappears to go get something to put the pinata down, correct? Yeah, so then we do our, our main title sequence, and then we, we're introduced to uh, what we know as the Goodman family. And the, the Goodman family is having a birthday party for their young son, and so the dad, he goes to that same pinata shop, and because our, our hook-handed shop owner is gone to try to find a solution for the killer pinata, her kind of dumb nephew <laughs> is left to, to run the store, and he ends up selling the dad the killer pinata, so the dad buys a couple of different pinatas and killer pinata being among them and takes them back home. And we are introduced to our heroine, Lindsay Goodman, his, his older college age daughter and her super lustful friend, Rosetta Stone. I loved the naming choice there because you don't ever say in the movie that her last name is Stone, right? Right. No, it's just Rosetta. It was just a fun play of words. But I did notice that on IMDb that she's credited as Rosetta Stone. So that's a fun nod right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we kind of get the sense that her, her dad's a bit of a horn dog and Rosetta kind of wants her dad. And they're getting this party together and uh, they have the young son pick one of the three pinatas. So he doesn't pick the killer pinata. He picks a different pinata. And the killer pinata has to watch in horror as one of his own is strung up set to set to swan lake and as the crowd cheers this birthday boy beats his buddy to death exploding it open the innards of candy falling out everyone excited and you kind of realize that that that's probably the moment that it decides that it's 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 had enough of this shit. It's gonna, it's gonna kick things into gear. You know what's funny about that? When you're watching the film, it really forces you to think about the pinata's position. And in that moment, before you kind of get to know the cast a little more, you're almost immediately on the pinata's side. I feel like. Yeah, it was really important to me that we had a lot of sympathy for the pinata. You know, and that's why we set that sequence up the way we did was that you could that you that you would feel for it. You you know, you're kind of full apart. You're like, oh, that's the villain. But man, I totally get where he's coming from. Like, get them all. You know, get them all right now. Hundred percent. And I will say that Swan Lake right there was a nice touch. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I felt that I felt we had to really ramp it up. But yeah, so so we kind of at this party, uh, we we get the we get the play out. So the the family, the Goodman family, is planning to take a a trip away to Wisconsin, Wisconsin Dells, and Lindsay, the older daughter, wants to have a party at the house with her friend Rosetta. And coming to this party is her old high school boyfriend Scott, um, who's just so hapless, doesn't have a clue. And then his like Lothario buddy Chad, you know, oh. and yeah. And Chad is a Chad, by the way, like aptly named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He is just the worst. Uh, really is. <laughs> and so Rosetta has to bring her cousin Marty because she owes him a favor. So we kind of. So we set the table that these are our five that are that are at the house for the party and, and our victims, right? <laughs> and uh and the the killer pinata of course gets loose and and decides to decides to go hunting yes so cousin marty is this very socially awkward guy that no you know nobody likes he's kind of like if you're familiar with friday the 13th he's the shelly you know, he's the mm -hmm. he's the one no one cares about. He just he's so he's so big hearted and so sad. Yep. Yep. And uh and so the gang leaves him and goes to go get some alcohol in the hopes that he'll just kinda get sad and go away. It's like that passive aggressive thing when you were younger, you maybe didn't like somebody at the party and you couldn't just escort them out. So <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Uh so yeah, so the killer pinata breaks free. Marty, unfortunately, is the only one at the house, and uh, and he he is the first one attacked, brutally strung up by the killer pinata. Mm -hmm. uh, the killer pinata using the hitting stick uh, on a human being, knocking his teeth out, his tongue out. It's and, very uh, Old Testament. <laughs> I heard I. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, you, you know, he sets it up immediately that he knows how to play this game too, and then. And then we also set up that the killer pinata knows how to cover his tracks because then he drags the body into a trash can and 
and throws the body into a trash can so no one no one can find him. I mean, he's got to be the strongest piece of cardboard ever. He is a mighty little guy. He's a mighty yes. guy. You know? <laughs> uh, so they they bring him into the house. They, the, the gang comes back with the beer. They think that the cousin's gone. That he's left per their hopes. And they find the killer pinata pinata outside. And they bring him inside. And, you know, they do that thing that, that happens in these movies where they start to pair off. So Rosetta and Chad uh, kind of start to, to, you know, pair off a little bit. And then, you know, we're stuck with Lindsay and Scott. And, and we kind of get into this idea that, that Scott's really into Lindsay. You know, she's not feeling it. There's a reason she maybe broke up with him before she went to college. You know, he keeps trying to make moves. He doesn't understand why she's not responding to that, but she's like totally not into it. But she likes Scott. So they have kind of a, a playful dynamic, but, you know, he just wants uh, to not be in the friend zone. She definitely wants to keep him there. So, um, you know, already we got some, some stuff going on. Right. It's a little awkward. I will say that the other two were not subtle that they would be banging at some point in the evening. <laughs> Yeah, you got two horn dogs, and again, you know, part of our, you know, when we made Killer Pinata, it was it was kind of at the beginning of that '80s re resurgence, right, where everything sounded like John Carpenter, and you know, it was the summer of '84 and Stranger Things and The Void, and and we were, you know, we were just kind of in the in the ether of that too, and so you're like, well, you got to have the two, you know, the Friday the Thirteenth, you know, archetype of the two horny teenagers that we definitely know are going to have sex. Um, I think it was a good choice. Yeah, thanks. And, uh, and, that, and that leads us to, you know, the moment that the movie really takes off because the, the two couples, you know, uh, pair off, you know, they're in different parts of the house. Uh, the killer pinata comes in alive inside the house and uh, encroaches on Chad and Rosetta uh, having sex. Uh, he, he joins them for a minute, crawls into the bed. And, um, you know. That scene was great. They're like, oh, keep doing what you're doing. Wait, how are you there? How are you in two places at once? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so they're having sex. They realize there's there's someone in the in the bed with them. They have a third that they didn't expect, and they whip the uh, they whip the sheets off, and uh, and there's a uh, there's the pinata. And Chad, we should mention, is wearing nipple clamps. He's got this this pair of nipple clamps on. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. the the killer pinata rips them off and then uses that to like nunchuck them down. And uh, what we what we haven't mentioned is that we actually set up earlier in the movie that the that the killer pinata also poops poisonous candy. He can he has the ability to poop poisonous candy, so he poops that into Chad's mouth, and there begins a giant vomit scene where Chad is just puking all over the room. And because Rosetta is so grossed out by that. She starts puking all over the room, including all over Chad. So it was just like a ton of vomit everywhere. That's, that particular scene is played so comically, you could almost put the Benny Hill music over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we set it to opera. <laughs> Which I think was, a, was also a good comedic turn there because it makes it overly dramatic. It was a good scene. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's our it's our first big, big swing. You know, uh, Martin's death was was kind of held back. It was kind of the jaws of it. We don't really see the killer pinata. This time we see, see KP, as we call him. We see KP up close and personal and these guys. And so uh, then what happens is we also establish that, he, that the pinata has a different superpower. He's able to control human beings like puppets. So he jumps on Chad. And we should, we should you know, listener... Chad is a very well-built man. He is a very strong, muscular guy. And so yeah. the killer pinata starts operating him like a puppet and, uh, and then uses Chad to kill Rosetta, choking her with the, um, the nipple clamps that we saw earlier. <laughs> I want to also mention that some of the drool that's coming out of his mouth is like, can't, like pure sugar candy it's like bright blue yeah. and, yes. and it really reminds me of this episode of are you afraid of the dark from the 90s where mm. where there's this like clown maniacal clown that laughs and spews out like the same color blue almost drool and it really it literally just flashed me back to the 90s when i saw that so that was like 
an interesting, probably unintentional touch that I enjoyed. Yeah, well, we're always trying to find ways to make these more spooky movies than horror movies, right? Like, we love Tales from the Crypt, and we love scary stories to tell in the dark, and we kind of feel, and a lot of kids have found Killer Pinata, which is horrifying when you realize what we just described the sequence, but we have mm-hmm. a lot of, like, you know... <laughs> Because it's not a it's not a threatening horror film. It gives you enough of it, but but I think kids kind of like the the color of it, whatever. So um, so then, <laughs> Lindsay and Scott, the now only living people left in the house, um, mm-hmm. they they go to investigate, and Lindsay sees quote unquote Chad KP controlling him, asks everything okay. You know, Chad kind of puppet nods that everything is fine, so she goes back to the room with Scott. And then our hook-handed friend from the beginning of the movie returns. We're back to the pinata store. And um, she realizes that her dumb nephew has sold the pinata. And now she has to go, you know, track it down before it kills again kind of thing. She really sells that, too. Like, she's all in in that performance. Yeah, it's funny because we originally had an idea for a big guy. We want a really big, like, Van Helsing type of person. And Joette Waters is the name of the actress. She's wonderful. She's, like, Chicago, you know, theater royalty and film royalty. And she actually reached out to us and said, I really want to do this. And I, and I want to kind of do it in, like, a gypsy wolfman way. And we were just like, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, how do we get in front of that? That was amazing. I, I lo- okay. I really love how just how she maintains the hat at, like, a little crooked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's just slightly off kilter. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. And she 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 puts she gives everything on it. So so then with Scott and, and Lindsay, and Lindsay has fallen asleep, they're watching a movie on her bed. And and Scott earlier in the film had gotten some really bad advice from Chad, which is, you know, if you're having trouble showing the girl that, that you really want to get physical, you should just be, you know, bold and take your penis out and put it in, in her hand. And uh Scott does that. And it, of course, doesn't go well. Um, You know, uh, Lindsay immediately, you know, lets him have it. And in that discussion, we realize that that Lindsay's actually gay. She's she's coming out of the closet. She's discovering who she really is and becoming comfortable with that and basically tells Scott to, to get out of there. And so they start to leave and or he starts to leave. And then the power goes out in the house. So now they're in a dark house and they can hear the pinata, you know, in there with them, hear it shuffling around. And so then they go downstairs to the basement, the fucking, the creepiest basement in all the land. And, uh, <laughs> and that was Jen's actual basement. So that was so hilarious is that, that, that it's just how that looked. We didn't even dress that. It just was scary. Excellent. Um, <laughs> and so they, they get the lights back on and they come back up. And of course the pinata has positioned Rosetta's dead body there. Now they know that something's very wrong. They try to, they see Chad's dead body. They try to escape the house and who do they run into? The hook lady, the shopkeeper, she has found them. They are now all connected. She's there to save the day. I love, she. okay, in this moment, she goes on a full-on rant about the pinata. Some English, some Spanish, and (laughs) regardless of what all she said, and she has made enough sense to the audience, by the way, but the two of them, Lindsay and Scott, look at her and are just like, I don't speak Spanish. I mean, I took a little bit in high school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and again it's that absurdist humor right we originally had joette on on set say it in english because uh, what what we were doing was she was she was telling the story of the origin of the killer pinata she what she learned when she went away to go try to find a solution to this problem and we had joette do the lines in english with the idea that we would have her go back and re-record them in spanish and do it as subtitles but then as we watched the edit um, and we saw that exchange where she says it in English, and then they say, I don't understand Spanish. We just started laughing because we were like, that is the probably the stupidest joke we could throw at it at this moment, and we should not get in front of that joke. We should just let it ride. Um, it, it landed. It landed. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, um, and so when she tells the story, and this is one of my favorite parts of the movie, so as, as, as the shopkeeper tells Lindsay and Scott about how the killer pinata came to be, we flash back to a fully animated, colored animated sequence that tells the viewer that the killer pinata was a was a man who worked in a pinata factory who was constantly bullied by his co-workers. And one night they decided to play a prank where they held him by his feet over a giant Tim Burton-like 
uh, machine that chopped all the paper mache and they accidentally dropped him into the machine, you know, massacring him. And uh, his blood fled out of the machine and went to the nearest thing, which was the killer pinata sitting nearby, possessing it. I love the sequence within this, this animated sequence, where it literally shows a trail of blood, a thin little trail of blood inching to the pinata like a worm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, we were very lucky. We were very lucky that uh, I had met a, uh, an animator named Vinny Alcarizzi who was, who was doing this kind of stuff. And I reached out to him because I always wanted to do the, the flashback sequence either in stop motion animation or, or something that was just very artistic and would be surprising to the audience, you know, given the very low budget, the micro budget nature of the rest of the movie. And uh, Vinny storyboarded it and, you know, took care of all the animation. And then uh, Ryan Aldrich, our, our sound designer, filled everything else in um, with the sound and all that. It was very, uh, it, was, it was a cool process now that be a part of the film. We're very lucky. It turned out fantastic. It looks it looks beautiful, honestly. Like, it's so cutely done, the art style of it. I love it. Yeah, it's very quaint. It's, it's perfect for the material. So then we come out of the flashback, and immediately the shopkeeper is murdered by the killer pinata. He takes the hitting stick that he previously used on Marty and jams it through the middle of the shopkeeper's torso, instantly mm -hmm. killing her. And now Scott <laughs> and Lindsay are face-to-face -face with the killer pinata. He attacks Lindsay, chewing up her arm. Scott manages to get him off of her, and they take refuge in the, uh, you know, kind of the, the basement stairway area. They get a door between them and the killer pinata, and, and, and now they know for sure what they're up against, you know? <laughs> yes. This next sequence um, is just so slapstick absurdist. Yeah, so they decide that they need to make weapons, but they obviously don't have any weapons. Uh, so they go to the garage in the back and they start um, fashioning like crossbows out of just like mops and, and rope. And like Scott has a piece of wood that he sands down to make a working shotgun. I mean, it is it is the height of just insanity. Yes. <laughs> And it's set to this amazing, like, 80s rock, like, just incredible, yes. incredible piece. And Making weapons yeah, montage. I think it's <laughs> yeah, so making weapons montage. Probably people, one of people's favorite moments in the film. Uh, so they arm up, and they go back into the house to, to take on the killer pinata. And uh, they, you know, they, they try to get it. Um, the killer pinata manages to get one of the arrows away from Scott, throws it through Lindsay's leg, injuring her. Uh, Scott gets her to safety. Um, then we come across maybe what's most probably the most infamous moment of this film. The pinata attacks Scott, and how he does that is by shredding his pants and immediately giving him a blowjob. The thing that Scott's been been looking for the whole film, he finally got it from the killer pinata, <laughs> who then bites bites the dick off, rips the the dick off in half, and we have this sequence where the where the severed penis in all of its glory is just bleeding blood, just spewing blood onto the floor as Scott bleeds out and dies. Yeah, it's like a water hose, just hemorrhaging. <laughs> I mean, it's, yes. So he dies, and now <laughs> Lindsay is the true final girl. She she gets into it with the killer pinata, momentarily uh, injuring injuring KP for a second before KP takes refuge in the, in the creepy basement. So uh, Lindsay gets a, a hammer, and decides she's had enough. And she pursues him down there, and they get into their final battle where uh, the killer pinata uh, manages to rip off one of her ears, and then she takes the hammer and basically beats him to death until she tears his little beating chocolate heart out of his body and eats it, finally killing the killer pinata. I thought it was a very nice touch that it was a chocolate heart. <laughs> Uh, I give credit to Megan McManus, our co-writer on the movie. She goes, the heart should be chocolate. <laughs> you know, the heart should, it should be a giant orange chocolate, you know, thing. And I, I thought it was such a, a fun idea. And then, uh, and then, yeah, so she uh, has killed it. Then her parents come home from the Wisconsin Dells to find a house covered in blood and a bunch of dead bodies. And uh, they think that maybe it's just uh, a party gone wrong. And then we realize Lindsay's mom is kind of a badass. She's going to sew the ear back on to Lindsay and um, 
you know, bury the bodies because no one would believe it's a killer pinata. So you just got to kind of bury the bodies and, and call it a day. And then Lindsay's younger brother, who we saw uh, hitting the pinatas at the, at the birthday party earlier that kind of started all this, he walks into a different room and spies some of the poisonous candy sitting on the ground. And of mm -hmm. course, not knowing that it's poisonous, he picks it up, pops one in his mouth, end of movie. Okay, so a couple of things before we get into the superlatives, which mm. is, which is, I think it's a nice touch that you guys really touched on the fact that in a lot of these killer object movies, things, and in a lot of movies where there's like a mad killer of any type of supernatural effect, the movie usually just kind of ends and doesn't clean it up in the way that, you know, like, well, this, because okay, so sometimes you're watching a horror movie, right? And then they make it sound like everything's fine now. She survived, happy ending, final girl. But then there's all these bodies, and you know, like you don't talk about the minutia and the cleanup. But you guys actually address this and are like, you know, no one's gonna believe that the pinata murdered people. <laughs> you know, it was kind of because we were trying to ride that line of, a, of an 80s comedy and an 80s horror movie. And I always felt that in the 80s comedy, you know, like if you're, you, you know, it, name it. There's always a sequence where if you're, if you have it with a house party, the parents always come back. And I thought, you know, we're going to really miss an opportunity here if we don't have a version of that. But instead of beer cans and stuff, it's like dead teenagers. And that to me was like really funny. <laughs> I totally agree. I think that was just like the cherry on the top way to end it. Okay. So, Stephen, mm. this is the segment of the podcast where we go into our, our list of superlatives, which I provided for you. So, what we always do is your, your favorite slash best character, least favorite slash worst character, same thing with kills, best worst, and then my two favorite questions, which are the funniest moment and the most what the fuck moment. So to begin, Stephen, <laughs> what is your, or who rather, is your favorite character in this whole film? So in this one, my favorite character is, is Lindsay Goodman, played by our, our final girl, played by Eliza Jane Morris. Um, I, I wanted a, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's my favorite slasher franchise. I think Nancy Thompson is the best final girl that ever walked the land. And I really wanted to try to, to kind of emulate Nancy in, in Lindsay Goodman, you know, having a really righteous character and a, and a focused character who was strong in, in all the right ways, but, but weak in very human ways. And I think Eliza just did such a, a fine job with that. I, I really like watching Eliza in this film, her performance. Her performance is great. And I, I think I agree with you. And then I also have to do the addendum slash is that I always kind of also just love the killer too like the killer object always <laughs> steals the show you know yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent. okay so who's your worst character you know i it's funny i thought about this because i was like man is it, it it took me a minute to figure out who might be the worst character and i think what i landed on was Lindsay's dad because for a minute there i was like is it chad because chad like is you know, we built him to be like the ultimate douchebag and and uh, Nate Bryan who plays him, you know, he did such a good job with that material. But I was like, no, it's the dad because the dad's kind of a hapless like creep. He's just he's just the worst, you know, I actually this is also who I chose. Totally agree with you there. <laughs> I have some some key moments that we haven't mentioned that really illustrate why he's the worst. <laughs> so there's one line in the film where he's like talking to her about not wanting to go on the trip he was a little disappointed and then he says you know you're our youngest and then she goes no i'm not <laughs> like there's my little brother and the dad replies he doesn't count yeah he was a mistake <laughs> He's not even supposed to be here. Yes, he's not even supposed to be here. That line, I cackled. Full-on cackle. <laughs> and then also that, that moment that you spoke of, touched on earlier, where Rosetta's, like, making eyes at him and openly flirting with him. And he's like, he made eyes back. Oh, no, he just doesn't hide it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with no, you on that. 
And then there's another line where Lindsay's like, can you please not break up my parents, my parents' marriage this weekend? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, and he's, and he's looking at her body. You know, he's looking at Rosetta's body when they, when they come home with the, you know, so, uh, yeah. yeah he's he was, leering he was, at her corpse. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, he's leering, he's leering at her corpse. I mean, yeah, it was, it was built to be, be a creepy character. And I, I think that's exactly what, what Steve, uh, the actor, did with it. And um, yeah, but I was thinking about that. I was like, yeah, he is just, he is just the worst character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Chad's just like a hapless horn dog, you know? Yeah, Chad's a Chad, you know? Yeah, He's a, yeah. He, he is what he is, man. Yeah, yeah, but the dad, like, that was such a cold line about the son, but also so funny and delivered so matter-of-factly. Golden. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Most, this is a lot of people's favorite little question is talking about the kills. So what's your favorite kill in this movie? Man, I have to think, you know, I'm going to go with it. The, the castration, the penis scene. And I'll, I'll say this. We thought we were, we were so clever with that kill when we wrote the movie. We were like, we're going to do, you know, the pinata is going to bite his dick off and blood's going to be everywhere. And then like, that was also in like Wolf Cop. That was, I think it was in another one. It was like in like four movies that came out that year. We were all in this thing of like, someone's getting their dick ripped off. Um, but <laughs> just the, just the way that it, it came out and the, like just the, how far we took that. I was like, yeah, I, I still think that kill in the movie is my favorite kill. I like that kill a lot. And I almost put that as my favorite but then I got to thinking about it, and there really is some charm to Marty's death, because <laughs> he dies in, like I said, this very Old Testament way, but also after he's stuffed in, <laughs> after he's stuffed in the trash can by the pinata, he's so much of an afterthought later on, like the way they react they, they realize that they haven't seen him in a while, and then they're like, I just assume he's dead. And then they do literally just see his corpse in the trash can, and they don't mention it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Fantastic. <laughs> so, worst kill, then. Worst kill. I, I have to think that it was the vomit. That it was. <laughs> that the, the, when, when Chad eats the candy and and just pukes everywhere it's a nauseating scene um yeah it is but the vomit's not like too gross looking it looks like oatmeal what actually is it what did you guys use for that it was a combination it was like uh it was some soup it was like split pea soup with like another one like a split pea that had like ham in it like chunks of ham Okay. And then water and, and, and something else. But it's so I was staying in that room. So when we were filming, the room, Rosetta's room was the room that I was staying in as a guest. And uh, and after we shot that scene that day, the room just reeked of that soup and that those those ham chunks. And it's just yeah, it, it wasn't wasn't the best. Yeah, so tasty. <laughs> okay. So I said Rosetta because there's in that moment, it's kind of a lot of things, but I don't remember her actually eating anything directly. She just starts puking too. Yeah, the idea was that like she, like, you know, when you see people throw up, there's a little bit of you that gags as well. Okay. And you just thought it'd be funny if she threw up on him. So yeah, I guess I don't, you don't actually see exactly what kills her i mean you assume it's from the pinata you know what i mean yeah it's it's him choking her with the uh, with the nipple clamps and oh, you're uh, right she does get choked she does get choked with the nipple cramps you're right she, yeah and when she falls she you she, it sounds like we added a sound of her hitting her head on the lamp and she actually did the actress uh her oh, name no. is Lindsay, and uh yeah she fell over and just totally whacked her head you hear it's got like this like dead metal thug like the donk and uh, we I thought did, she might. I did, okay, I did hear that, but it wasn't yeah. like, I think I got lost in that sequence a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly we, we did well there, yeah. <laughs> I think so, I think so. Okay, so most what the fuck moment. Definitely the threesome, definitely the three. Like hands down, I, I wrote that scene as a nod to the original Puppet Master um, when Leech Woman comes in on uh, Frank and Cassie having sex. 
And uh, I don't know, in my head, I thought it'd be maybe tamer. But when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, we literally have a pinata having a threesome with these people for, for a microsecond. And there was something just so disturbing about that to me. I loved that the pinata like went there. Cause you're right. You don't see, you don't see that quite so often. It took the absurd absurdity up a notch. And that's the kind of thing I appreciate here on this podcast. <laughs> well, and it's funny, I've seen this movie, you know, uh, a handful of times with an audience or actually quite a few times with an audience. But I remember we were showing it in a bar one time, or a bar was showing it, and no one's, you know, the bar's full, no one's really gonna pay attention. And then that threesome scene shows up, and that bar, it had, it commanded the attention of the bar. And I thought it was the funniest thing, but I was like, oh, okay, now I see where you guys are at. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever gets their attention, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. They, they were with the movie from that point on. Yeah, um, okay, so I feel like I have to go with you on that, but also, I like the scene the comedy of it but also the well now what are they gonna do of it when the um storekeeper dies so quickly because <laughs> <laughs> it's a two-one yeah, punch uh, yeah no i i really love that moment yeah I, I, I can yeah i'm with you on that okay now funniest moment to you what made you laugh the most in this movie you know for me it was the, it was the sequence you just mentioned it's when they're in the stairwell and they talk about it, it's when they when they kind of own up to how insane this, the situation is and they say you know no one's going to believe us that it's a killer pinata and uh and Lindsay's, you know encouraging chat or sorry scott not to, to to leave and say you know for your friends they killed all your friends and and marty and he goes who and they've just completely forgot about this sad sack again. She goes, you know, the cousin, he goes, oh, is he dead? She goes, well, no, I haven't seen him in a minute. And it's like Eliza's delivery of like, oh, no, I haven't seen him in a while. That every time I watch the movie, I just like crack up. And then, of course, we go into the weapons montage after that. So I think it's 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 hands down the, the, the funniest stretch of, of that first film. Totally. That scene is fantastic. But I kind of think, I kind of think I laughed the most at the dad's creepy one-liner about... <laughs> about the son being a mistake i think that made me laugh the most i think that yeah i i'm i love that that line plays so well i remember when we did our premiere screen we, we rented a theater and had a had a sold out house and, and that was the first line that really killed that like when you said it it just got a big big laugh and i feel like it's it's one of our most consistent lines that gets a big laugh so no i i totally understand that i'm glad it works I, i'm so happy that that joke did not die yeah it it totally works the whole thing works if you're in a legal state guys i recommend getting high for these <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the fun of it it's it really is meant to be a, a midnight movie it's a i hadn't seen it in a, in a hot second uh we've been working on the sequel for for a couple of years and i hadn't watched kp for a while the og one and uh we were at a convention uh, a couple months ago we were invited and they screened both films and that was my first time watching it in a while. And I, I didn't realize how kind of, how, how randy it was in certain parts. And I just remember here's like this 12 year old girl with her dad. And I was like, you may not want to watch this. This may not be, you know, this might be a little too much. And they, they laughed at through the whole thing. They loved it. It was, it was fun to see all this, uh, this movie again. Yeah, totally. Okay, so let's talk about Bride of the Killer Pinata a little bit. Yeah. So we, we just, uh, we, we filmed it in, in 2021 and 2022. We premiered it last October. And um, we originally were going to just kind of release it onto all the streaming services, but it got a really great reaction. And so we decided to do a small festival run with it. And uh, we've been really happy with it. You know, it, it was a much bigger budget. We came in at like 17,000 for this one and um, tried to up all the production value on it, you know, bigger, you know, bigger effects, bigger cast, better cameras, more puppet work, um, and a bigger movie, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a huge film. <laughs> I think you really succeed at it. What I mean is that not only can you really feel the budget increase, but you feel like the actors' performances more in this too. Like, feel like everybody's performance is nailed in this perfectly. Yeah, we got really lucky because we got a lot of folks, um, a lot of Second City alum that were in this, in, in Bride and the sequel. And when you have comedians like that that really know how to 
get around a scene, um, it, it makes it really fun. They, they know how to, to play their characters. They know how to do all this stuff. And, you know, we did shoot certain scenes like a comedy where we got our coverage for the script, but then they would have ideas and we would just do wild takes where, where they would throw jokes out. And a lot of that ended up in the, in the final cut. And it's a, it's a more heartfelt movie. There's a lot of heart in this one uh, that the first movie is just kind of pure punk rock. And, and this one definitely has a, a bit of a softer touch, but still, you know, very killer piñata. Okay. Like, I love... I don't want to give too much away because everyone needs to go watch this when it hits streaming. But there's this very adorable scene where the bride of the killer pinata, pre-meeting KP, just like you see her move in the house and you're like, uh-oh. And then it just curls up and cuddles next to Lindsay's baby. <laughs> It is yeah. such a sweet little scene. I found myself just like falling in love with the cute little bride of the killer pajamas. She's a unicorn, right? Yeah, she's a unicorn and her name is LP. She's she's known as Loving Pinata because she doesn't really want to hurt anybody. Um, and yeah. he kind of plays her, you know, to, to join him. <laughs> Honestly, it is the most compelling puppet love story. <laughs> I found myself almost getting a little teary-eyed in places. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... It was. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, granted, I was, like, super baked, but <laughs> I really, yeah, it really, it really got me in my feels, man. Like, it hits all the good notes, like, laughter. You really care for the pinata, too. Yeah, it was really important to give them a story. You know, and and, it, and when you look at it, it really is the bride's story. And we were and we were cracking the story. It was important to us to be like, no, the movie's called Bride of the Killer Pinata. And when you watch the movie, you really, I mean, you know, obviously the killer pinata is in there, but it really is LP's story. It's 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 you know the the surprise reveals and stuff that we have in there, the backstory. It's 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 her movie through and through. And uh, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm really, it's been nice to see the reaction to it and, and that people, and particularly with her, I mean, I think LP is just really connected with people and that's been fun to watch, fun to see. Yeah, I mean, it is, she is the title character, but I mean, far and away, she stills the show. Yeah, well, and a lot of that credit is to, is to Karina Wolf. So Karina is an actress and a director that I've worked with before and, and she plays the, the human version of LP that we that we see at a certain point in the film. And then um, she also came in to record all of LP's little, you know, chirps and, and, and grunts and twills and all that. And, and I was like, yep, I mean, it was it was her performance that as, as the puppet that, that very, very much sells that character. She did a fantastic job. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's nice. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, so the movie takes place 10 years after the original Killer Pinata, and we find Lindsay is now very settled in her life and going through domestic, you know, woes that she's got the, the wife and the wife has a fancy job and they've got a baby and she's just bored. So <laughs> she, she kind of yearns for the, the action of the, of the killer, the danger of the Killer Pinata. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie, and um, you know we're excited for people to to get eyes on it for a general release. Okay, so tell our audience uh, how and when they'll be able to watch Killer Pinata. I mean, so um, not Killer Pinata, Bride of Killer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so Bride, we're we're waiting on right now. So we know it's going on to Amazon. We know it's going on to Tubi and Troma now. So. Um, the, the kind of frustrating thing is that you're not really given um, when that date is. We know it's going to probably be sometime in, in this month in July. Um, and, they, and they have it. They, we've gotten uh, word that, that all the elements are delivered. They're loaded up. We're literally just waiting for them to press the button to have it go live. But uh, yeah, and then it'll roll out to, um, you know, all the usual suspects, Apple, you know, uh, Voodoo. And then sometime this fall, we're going to put out a, a special edition DVD that'll have um, deleted scenes and extended scenes, commentary by me and, and um, uh, the main actors, and then a couple of documentaries on there. So we're going to do a really big physical disc uh, release in time for Halloween. That's awesome. I'm totally going to buy a copy. <laughs> I mean, uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm... 
I'm excited. We're putting a lot of, of work into it and, and uh, I hope it'll be where it wants. And then I think, you know, all, if all things go well, we're going to do a dual VHS release of, of Killer Pinata and Bride. So we're hoping that we can get that together too. We're talking with some folks. Oh, I love that. That's excellent. Just to mention, you can watch Killer Pinata on Tubi. Um, I think Freebie has it as well. Uh, you can watch it free on Amazon Prime. I guess it's like in conjunction with Freebie Plex, maybe? Yeah, I, it's from what I know, it's on all the major things. So it's on, on all the usual suspects, Vudu, Apple TV, Tubi, Amazon. We tend to sell people that uh, the Tubi version actually is the best. It's a, it's a 2020 re-edit that we did. We went in and we cut some of the, the, the padding out of it and we recolor corrected and re-sound mixed it. So it's it's kind of like the, the perfect version of what we wanted to do with the first movie. And that is the version that I watched. Yay! Coincidentally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, it feels like the finished version of what we of what we wanted to do. So we always say that, and then we'll do a, um, a Blu-ray release of that latest version as well uh, sometime soon. Awesome. Well, all right, everyone. Um, we will be back for another riveting killer object film <laughs> next episode. Uh, until then, stay creepy. Attack of the Killer Objects is edited, written, and produced by Anastasia Bird. That would be me. AOTKO theme was created by me as well with free use music and clips from the following films. Killer Sofa, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Amityville 4 The Evil Escapes, and Rubber. The outro music is They Come at Night by Shane Ivers, courtesy of SilvermanSound.com. Our website is linktree forward slash attack of the killer objects there you can find descriptions of all of our episodes as well as our merch store we have apparel and accessories for all ages check it out and if you enjoyed today's show be sure to leave us a five-star review in the podcast app of your choice until next time <laughs>